Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Dropped yesterday's show super late, so I thought I'd try to give you guys a little treat. Drop this one a little early. It's Tuesday. Playoff basketball. <clears throat> Fantasy edition. <laughs> you start to say it, and then you realize, yeah, it's not, it doesn't quite have the same sting as a real playoff game. I have this conversation with folks when, when I talk about how I really like Roto, and I know I've been doing it at this beginning of every episode, so I'll, I'm going to loop back to it. Welcome to the pod, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today. You guys probably know that by now. I hope some of you that have recently found me on Twitter have now found the podcast. That's my ultimate goal I've talked about. I want sweet, sweet, succulent equilibrium. Please join me in achieving podcast Twitter equilibrium. I am Dan Bespris. Struggled with my own name today. Dan Bespris. It's a weird one, isn't it? At Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. I hope to talk to you over there because I do a lot of stuff during the day, as you all likely know already. Today is a traditional Tuesday, which is not a promo. Traditional Tuesday. It's like Taco Tuesday, but way less fun. Uh, We're going to break down the Monday card. Pretty good. Nine gamer. Not a lot. I mean, we're in a strange little pocket where the Roto ads are not that succulent right now. There's a couple. There's a couple, but not big difference makers, not a lot of rest of season stuff coming up. This is really uh, heavily a head-to-head moment, but let's dive into it. Let's see what we can find. Portland beat Detroit on the road. The Pistons did what they needed to do, which was lose the ball game. They rested Jeremy Grant, uh, they rested Corey Joseph, and they lost, which is kind of by design. Um, as far as the Pistons go... We don't know who's going to play in their next ball game. They go every other day this week, and they've been on that path pretty much forever. It'll end, they have a back-to-back in the middle of next week. We talked about it on yesterday's show. They've got Atlanta coming up. I think they'll play their guys because they'll expect to lose that game even with their regulars in the lineup. And then Washington rolls into town, which is a team that has racked up a, a good chunk more wins than Detroit this year. But one, definitely, the Pistons don't want to mess around getting any closer to. I don't know. We'll see. Because the Wizards are not very good. And that's kind of what it comes down to, is the Pistons don't want to accidentally win. And right now, they're in the bottom three. But it's close. The Thunder have lost 10 games in a row. They're tanking beautifully at the moment. And I believe they're now just a game... uh, Yeah, like a game back of the Pistons going down the board. So a game ahead of them in real life. Something close to that. So I don't know. The short version is I don't know who the Pistons are going to play on a night-to-night basis. But when Kelly Olynyk, who was also rested for this one, when those guys are out, when Olynyk's out, when Grant is out, Marvin Bagley becomes a very interesting stream. He didn't get much in the way of defensive stats or threes, but he also actually was efficient in a weird twist, and we'll take that. I would also say keep one eye on Killian Hayes if Corey Joseph gets shut down because he went full bore at the point guard stuff. And when he does... He can get you some steals, some assists. He can rebound a little bit because he's a bigger point guard. Does not require an ad, but keep an eye on it. One of our other favorites, Chris Dunn, had a flop in this one. It just wasn't really there for whatever reason. Three points, five assists, and a block. He didn't get his usual steals. He shot just one for eight from the field. But I would point out, Dunn played 27 minutes, even in a bad performance, and a win. And he was a plus seven 
in a game they won by four. So he was productive. They like what he's doing. I'd be very surprised if they didn't give him another 10-day contract. I like Chris Dunn in pretty much all formats right now. And Portland's in the middle of a good schedule, so even better in head-to-head. Drew Eubanks, he's actually had some pretty productive games lately, mostly because he's been efficient and he's a big man who can hit free throws. I'm going to go ahead, and against my better judgment, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Drew Eubanks is someone you can actually probably just play in all formats. I know he's number 314 on the year, so I'm not going to come at you and say, look, this guy's figured it out. But over the last two weeks in 29 minutes a game, he's top 90 because he's shooting 58% from the field and he's made all of his free throws. He doesn't get many defensive stats. It's mostly rebounds and both percentages with low turnovers and a smattering of points, but that's actually worthwhile in a nine-category format. So you get Eubanks gets the upgrade. Justice Winslow played 30 minutes in this one. His shot was off, but his free throws went down, so he was fine. Uh, he's not going to play in back-to-back, so he makes more sense in a roto standpoint. Trendon Watford was uh, better in this one because he had three steals and two blocks. He's been he's had a tougher road to hoe when Winslow and Hart are both in the ball game, and I know that. Hart being out wasn't the reason that Watford started, but it does open up more for all of these other guys to do. So I think you hang on to Watford. I'm probably not starting him in Roto on a game-to-game basis, which maybe that's not entirely fair to him because he's been pretty good over the last couple of weeks You know, in that same way as, as Eubanks has been, and Trenton's actually scored better, and the defensive stats have been better. I just... There's something that concerns me, and we saw it over a couple of ball games there where uh, the shot went away and other things kind of went with it. But, again, their schedule is so good right now. they got games coming out the wazoo. This is the second part of a back-to-back and the second game out of five and seven nights. With two of those, one of those with, with San Antonio and two are with the Rockets. Then they've got the Thunder and the Pels and the Spurs again twice and then the Thunder again. Portland has one of the most ridiculously easy schedules the rest of the way, which means high scoring game and opportunity. So let's keep Watford above the board for now. Not interested in C.J. Ellaby. I know he had a better ball game here, but we've seen he doesn't have a ton of fantasy game. And Brandon Williams, much more a points league kind of guy. He did make his free throws here, which was a step in the right direction. Shot wasn't going down, but the fact that he didn't shoot 40% on a medium volume at the foul line, that was a good thing. Uh, He, however, in 9-cat is not on my board. So just to recap here, Portland guys, you can start in Roto, Eubanks, Watford, Winslow, and Dunn, and Hart when they're in. And in head-to-head, pretty much everybody that's playing 20 minutes right now because their schedule's been and continues to be very good. Lakers beat the Cavs. LeBron at 38. He was... Pretty damn awesome, actually, in this ballgame. Didn't make any three-pointers, and maybe that should be a lesson to LeBron. Go to the bucket, dude. You're still stronger than all these other guys. And for the third game in a row, Russell Westbrook was actually pretty good. He was a team best plus 23 in this ballgame. Russell's making stuff happen. Wenyan Gabriel has actually shown himself to be a pretty positive influence on this team just because he can move. The other bigger... I mean, he's not a big guy, but he's bigger... So he was out there. Stanley Johnson saw a lot of run in this ballgame. DJ Augustine kept the Lakers in it when they were floundering in the first half. He had 20 points 
on seven out of seven shooting. Six of those were three-pointers. That was pretty crazy. Malik Monk was fine. He didn't start, though. And that's something we need to keep an eye on. Because if Monk is coming off the bench, he's not usually startable. And you can see the Lakers are trying other stuff. They want to get something going. Here's the thing. Uh, the starters got waxed in the first half of this ballgame. So whatever the Lakers did at the beginning of the game, it didn't really work. It actually seems like Dwight Howard was the guy who ended up getting yanked, and they ended up going small because the Cavs' big men are not a punish-you-inside kind of set of bigs. Darius Garland carved him up, but uh, as far as fantasy stuff goes, no, I'm not adding Wenyan Gabriel. I think Lakers are obviously just hoping that Anthony Davis can get his butt back in there. Malik Monk might actually be a drop now if he's coming off the bench. Mello, I think, is a drop because you're seeing the Lakers are actually kind of veering more towards guys that can play defense, and then if you get offense out of them, then those guys don't need to come off the floor. The times you see Mello and Monk is when the defense-first guys aren't playing any offense. What does it all mean, man? It means you might not have any fringe guys on the Lakers now. It might be LeBron as suddenly improving Russ, and that's it for now. Nothing for me on the Cavs side. Karis LeVert, we heard his minutes limit was going to get lifted, and then he was in horrendous foul trouble in his ballgame. He'll be better in the next one. Uh, and then Darius Garland had a gigantic ball game, just picking on the Lakers' defense. Uh, but the Cleveland defense was so terrible that the Lakers were able to win it. Anyway, Pels lost in Charlotte. Herb Jones got ejected partway through this game. Would it have changed it? I don't know. But we didn't get the data we wanted to on what he's looking like right now. JV is an easy start. CJ McCollum is an easy start. Those guys are big names. Uh, Jackson Hayes, to me, is still a go for New Orleans in every format right now, at least until Brandon Ingram comes back, and then you probably yank him out of your lineup. Devontae Graham missed the last one with a sore hip. Seems like maybe he should have sat this one out too. Yuck. Nothing on the Charlotte side. Nothing with Utah. You got some better games out of other dudes, I guess, like Rudy Gobert was kind of bad in this one. Weird twist. Um, Jordan Clarkson took too many shots. They couldn't, the offense was not going for Utah here. Brooklyn did something. I don't know, put something in the water. KD had 37, passed Jerry West on the all-time scoring list. Nick Claxton is a, is a fantastic stream if Andre Drummond has to miss any more time. And it sounds like probably won't. It's not entirely clear. Um... I believe Drummond was out with a non-COVID illness, but I'll, I'll triple check on that while I'm screwing around here. Uh, Brooklyn, the hell do they play again? Wednesday? Bleh. Yeah, I mean, Roto, I'd pick him up. Head-to-head, -head, I wouldn't. There, that's my call on that one. Sorry for the delay mid-broadcast. I had to rethink that one through. Bruce Brown, great, continues to be great. Seth Curry tweaked an ankle, didn't come back. He was in the middle of a terrible ballgame anyway. And I don't know. I mean, if he's Roto, you hang on to him. Head-to-head, -head, you might have to bail on Seth Curry. If we find out he's not going on Wednesday, I, you know, I don't know how you'd stick with it the rest of the way. He's been too good, though, so this is going to be a really tough one if you're in the playoffs. Roto, you obviously just waited out. And no, I'm not adding Patty Mills. Yes, I think you can generally stream Goran Dragic for home games, but Brooklyn has a couple on the road before they come back home for almost all of them. Oh, Miami, how did you let this one get away? Heat 
lose to the Sixers without James Harden and Joel Embiid. Tyrese Maxey had a big ball game. Shake Milton had a big ball game. George Niang had a big ball game. Furkan Korkmaz had a big game. Tobias Harris was fine, but not spectacular. Oh, boy. Anyway, you can pretty much throw the box score out on the Philly side because Harden and Embiid tend to take care of the ball a little bit when they're out on the floor. And for Miami, you know, Jimmy Butler played, so that's good. And uh, Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and usual suspects. Tyler Hero was quieter because everybody else was in. This Boston OKC game actually wasn't really as close as the final score would indicate. Boston was up pretty big. Thunder forced the Celtics to bring their starters back in this ballgame, and that meant mega numbers for anybody that got to play because Robert Williams was rested and Marcus Smart was rested. And you could say they had illnesses or tweaks or whatever was going on there, but look, I mean, this was an OKC game. So Tatum, mega. He's been great lately, by the way. I Jason Tatum... I don't want to, I'm not going to just guess. By the way, uh, overall in the year, Tatum is number 15 by averages now. And I believe he's played in the most games of anyone in the NBA. Uh, no, there's like four guys that are at that same level with him. So not the most in the league, but he's up there, top four. And that means by totals, he's actually number five now in the league. And I think over the last two months... Yeah, by totals, he's number two in that stretch. Hell, by averages, he's number five over the last two months. So this is the Tatum we expected to start the year. It just took a little longer. Al Horford slid up to center. He didn't score, really didn't participate on the offensive end, but five rebounds, seven assists, three steals, three blocks. I do love Big Al playing center. Derek White got to start for uh, Marcus Smart. He had a big ball game. Grant Williams got to start. For the Time Lord, he had a big ball game, and Peyton Pritchard was pretty much the only guy who came off the bench and did anything, so he had a big ball game, but none of that's going to matter. So let's focus on the other team in this one, and that's the Thunder, who I'm convinced just roll a 15-sided die six times a day, and that's how they decide who gets minutes. Today the die came up. Trey Mann, you go take 21 shots. Have a ball, man. Comma. Uh, we mentioned him on yesterday's podcast as someone that I probably that I didn't fully trust, and I don't know that I do still, but this is a pretty substantial ball game. Shea tweaked an ankle, and anytime the Thunder are in jeopardy of accidentally winning a ball game, he sits. So, you know, Boston, they knew they could play him and get away with it. They've got Orlando on Wednesday, so you might see Shea sit out that ball game to make sure that the Thunder lose or to at least certainly make it more probable that they'll lose. Then they got Denver on the road on Saturday, so you'll probably see Shea in that one. If he sits on Wednesday, Trey Mann probably makes sense as a roto ad. Go out there, see if you can catch lightning in a bottle, and then move on from it. You're not going to do it on the head-to-head side. Head-to-head right now, the guys that you can that you can pretty much rely on to get you something besides Gilgis Alexander, Darius Baisley, He's been fine for a while because his usage has been pretty high. Alexei Pokushevsky went back to the bench in this ballgame for Aaron Wiggins, but Poku played 28 minutes, and so he now remains a usable fellow. Meanwhile, Isaiah Roby, back from the dead, played 26 minutes after playing 28 in the last one. Didn't do anything in this ballgame, but apparently the die once again comes up Roby. I, 
The tank is strong with this one. They're figuring out ways to make sure that they do not accidentally win the basketball game. So Shea, Baisley, Poku, go for it. Uh, you can use them in any format you want right now. Trey Mann, um, I'd probably rather wait until they've got a four-game week going if I was going to drop him into a head-to-head lineup. If you've got him already, just sort of roll with it, I guess. And if we find out early enough that Gilgis Alexander is going to skip Wednesday, if it's not an overload day, you might be able to drop Trey Mann into your lineup. But what a mess. What a disastrous, unpredictable mess. The tank. The tank town. Houston beat Washington. This is a... This is a bad win for the Rockets, which is such a a goofball thing to say, but it really was a bad win for Houston. Christian Wood had his best game probably of the year. Jalen Green was good. Alpern Shengun is actually starting to see a few more minutes per ball game for whatever that's worth, and it's not worth a ton because he's still not quite there in terms of someone you'd want to start on a night-to-night basis. But we've seen his minutes trend up here, even as a reserve. I know he had the 30, 40-minute games when, when Christian Wood was out, but when Wood's been back, you're still seeing Shengun in that 20 to 25 minute range, which is significantly more than the 15 to 20 he was at earlier this year. As I just said a minute ago, it's still not enough. Over the last week, he's still outside the top 100. Over the last two weeks, he's in the 150 range because his, he doesn't shoot very high field goal percentage. He doesn't shoot a very high free throw percentage. Steals, blocks, rebounds, assists, those are all pretty nice. He has a little bit of a Jokic thing to his game, but it's a long way from Jokic. So the Shengun is still someone you're kind of looking down the future, into the future for. It's interesting. It's fun. This fantasy game is, is, has the outlines of it, and it's certainly getting to do more now than he did a month and a half ago, but uh, it's, it's more befitting of a head-to-head spot where, and Houston has a good schedule going at the moment so enjoy it they had the five and seven happening right now they got a four game week next week as well so you could just sort of ride that through if you wanted for washington i still like kcp i know he had a quiet ball game here but he's been generally pretty trustworthy lately rui hachimura sliding into the starting five for kyle kuzma was notable i i didn't get the feeling that the kuzma stuff was a big deal and you know maybe i'm underrepresenting that uh but you know this wasn't a back-to-back for washington they they've had a pretty heavy schedule lately but this is actually kind of the game in between a bunch of off days so maybe they were just trying to give coos four days off in a row he's dealing with some knee soreness i mean there's sort of no reason for him to sit it out because washington is is bad but they were not horrible enough early in the year to to be down there in the to be down there with like the the teams going for the top pick um i think kuzma probably plays again soon but if he doesn't hachimura becomes a very interesting ad for a team that has an excellent schedule basically the rest of the year starting on thursday Between Thursday and the end of the regular season, there are 18 total days, and the Wizards play 11 times. I know. It's actually a 5-7 and for them that starts on Thursday of this week and runs through Wednesday of the following one. So if you really wanted to pack it in, that would be the time to do it. Porzingis looked great. 
shot wasn't going down, but everything else was just magical for him. Uh, Howell Neto, his minutes came back up again. Tomas Sadaransky, his minutes stayed in the mid, low to mid-20s. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be a changing of the guard there. I, I think we can keep an eye on it, but we don't have to really expend any energy. Toronto was missing Gary Trent Jr., so Chris Boucher got to do more. That's the rule right now. Anytime a starter's out for the Raptors, Boucher wins. Easy. Bulls got Patrick Williams back. He played 19 minutes in his return. I would assume his minutes actually do continue to slowly tick up, and he may eventually retake the starting small forward job from Javante Green. The thing that caught my eye in this game was that Alex Caruso started at point guard. It was almost an admission of, we don't really need Io DeSumo in the starting lineup. He's a more traditional point guard, but DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nick Vucevic, those are the guys that are going to be handling the basketball anyway. What we need is a slasher defender in our starting five. So this is good news if you have Caruso and you were streaming him. He was kind of languishing, and he was a little bit better in this ballgame. Nothing special. He's not going to get many shots playing with those other starters, but the minutes is what I like. That minutes mean the steals are going to be there. That's basically all you need to worry about. I am concerned about Dasunmu. He only got 24 minutes off the bench. His line was pretty good, but if he's only playing 24, it's not going to happen for him. And then what happens with Patrick Williams? How much does that carve out of Javante Green? Does it carve from anyone else as well? It's kind of a wait and see right now. They've got another game today, so we get another data point on it. It sounds like Williams wants to play in the back-to-back. So let's see what happens. How does Caruso look? Does he start again? Does DeSumo slip back into the starting five? Does Williams start? There's a lot to pick up on with Chicago right now. And most of it, unfortunately, the arrows are kind of pointing towards everybody just eating from the same bowl, which is the non-superstar bowl, and ruining each other. Dallas beat Minnesota is a good ball game. These are two pretty good teams, too. No news on the Minnesota side. Newsless. They were newsless. When they're healthy, they're newsless. Jared Vanderbilt still not getting it done. I guess that's the only news there. He's pretty much given way to a floor spacer in Torian Prince. Dwight Powell got hot for the Mavs. I love it when Dwight Powell gets hot. I've wanted him to be a fantasy guy for years. You guys remember two years ago, I was all over Dwight, and then he blew out his leg in the middle of a not-that-great season anyway. And he hasn't ever quite gotten it back, but man, it'd be nice if he did. I'm not going to buy it. It's just one game. Uh, Reggie Bullock looked great coming back in this one. Hit six three-pointers. Took 11 shots, made most of them. Seven boards, two assists, a steal. This, unfortunately, kind of augurs poorly. First of all, Luka Doncic didn't take that many shots in this game. 17 isn't that high of a number for him, and he was fairly well out of sorts. So the fact that they won anyway is a testament to Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Bullock, the other guys. Brunson's going the wrong way. I think, oh man, you guys are going to probably kill me for this, but I think Jalen Brunson's a drop. He's number 96 on the season, but over the last two weeks, he's outside the top 130. Over the last month, he's just a shade outside the top 100. But you got to go recent and see what has he been since Spencer Dinwiddie has begun to kind of eat his lunch. And the answer is, he just hasn't been very good. He hasn't done many different cat. It's points and assists, and that's pretty much it for him. And in this game, he didn't even have any assists. So he's kind of become, it used to be points, assists, and field goal percent. Now it's just kind of points and field goal percent, which, meh, 
Dinwiddie actually seems the more interesting fantasy guy for the moment. I get it. They could flip-flop, and Spencer's off the bench right now. And then with Bullock, he could run hot and cold as well. I think right now the assessment is Dwight Powell you leave on the wire. Reggie Bullock you probably leave on the wire as well. I mean, barring, you know, if you get Dallas in a good scheduling spot, that might be a different thing. You know, next week they got four games the last six days of the week, so perhaps that lines up with something you're trying to stream. But, again, just from an overall standpoint, Dinwiddie you can start. Dorian Finney-Smith I think is really more of a streamer at this point. Reliable if you need to fill in or whatever, but streamer. And then Jalen Brunson I think has fallen back to streamer level as well. Speaking of streamers because you know that's what the next half of this one's got to be. Speaking of streamers, we talked at great length on yesterday's podcast about when you, why would you make a move somewhat early in this week? And the answers we came up with were, uh, one, if you had a player hurt that was likely to miss a handful of games this week, which I don't think there are all that many of them that happened, say, on Sunday or something like that. And the other one was, if you are overloaded on Wednesday, so basically you have a, you have dead weight you can drop on Wednesday. And if it happens to be on a team that has a crummy schedule this week anyway, like perhaps the Kings or the Spurs, a two-gamer, or even a couple of three-gamers that play on Wednesday, you could drop that for someone who had four games this week, that didn't play on Wednesday, like a Chicago Bull or a Washington Wizard. Other than that, there didn't seem to be a really good reason to make a move yesterday. I would argue the same principle applies today and tomorrow. So what I'm going to do here is instead of telling you what you could stream today, I'm going to try to tell you why you probably shouldn't. And I believe it still stems from the idea that the longer you can hold off on your moves while still maximizing games played without sacrificing any games, the longer you should hold off on making moves without sacrificing any games. Remember the example I gave on yesterday's show? The example was you could make a move yesterday with someone who does play on Wednesday or someone who doesn't. Like, it didn't even really matter at that point. You could make a move yesterday to take someone who had a two-game week and turn them into someone with a four-game week. You gain two games that way. Let's just forget about whether or not you have an overload. Because you're already talking about it. If you have an overload and you could sacrifice that Wednesday game and switch it to a wizard or a bull, you would gain three games in a week, and there's literally no other way you could pull that off. That had to be a move yesterday, and it had to be in that very specific, narrow band. You do have an overload happening. You can sacrifice someone near the bottom of your board on Wednesday. You can turn them into a functional wizard or bull. That won't be horrible. That's not like a guy playing 13 minutes. It's someone playing 20 to 25. Get four games of that. Get, you know, 85 to 100 minutes out of that guy, as opposed to two games of whatever, 50, 60 minutes of whatever guy you had in the Kings or the Spurs. That narrow band, if we just set that aside and don't say, but Dan, but Dan, if we set that aside, turning two games into four yesterday was doable. It was doable. You gain two games, and you guys know, 
from listening to this show for however long it's been, a day, a week, a month, a year, half a decade, that would basically be since the first day, we've always said if you can get two games out of a roster move in a given week, you do it. But here's the thing. The corollary to that theorem, (laughs) going back to high school math here, the corollary to that theorem is do that, gain your two games per move as late in the week as you can. Because, as I said on yesterday's show, by Thursday, you'll have a much better idea of what stats you want. You've polished off 40-some-odd percent of the week at that point, including the overload day, the biggest day of the week. Monday and Wednesday are two pretty big days. Friday and Sunday are two, like, Friday's medium and Sunday's pretty big. Uh, Thursday, Saturday's not terrible. Uh, Thursday, Saturday are kind of like small, medium. The We'll just round down and make it easy. 40% of the week will be in the hopper by Thursday. So at that point, yes, a lot can still change in the remaining 60% of the week. Someone on your team could have a seven-steal game, and maybe you know you were down 15 steals by Thursday and thought, screw it, this one's no longer in the, even up for grabs. Maybe someone on your team gets you right back into it. But that's much less likely. That's the exception to the rule. As when on Monday, like you may have built a team that's set up to win five or six categories, but you just never know. Uh, this just happened to me last week, and I can almost guarantee it has happened to all of you at least one time, where you go into a fantasy playoff week thinking, these are the five categories, I'm desperate, I, these are the ones I'm hunting, and then you get to Thursday or Friday, and you're like, hmm, you know, this one didn't go as well as I thought. I'm down 30% in free throws, and I thought I was going to win that category, but hey, look, I'm only down 15 rebounds. I wasn't trying to win that category, but... I don't know, my opponent lost, for me last week it was Giannis for a game, and so whatever, you know, 9, 10, 11 rebounds, suddenly I wasn't down by 25 or 30, I was down by 15. Because I saved three of my moves until later in the week, I was able to grab big men, I think Trey Lyles and Alperin Sengun were the ones I picked on the last day, and what did they end up getting on Sunday between them? Something like 13, 14, 15 rebounds? I didn't think I was going to go that way, but it did. And that's the kind of thing that you open the door to if you save your moves until later in the week. The beauty of this week in particular, more so than, way more than last week. Last week was a disaster for streaming. And still a bit more than next week, although there's a decent chunk of of streamable spots in next week's schedule. Like, the Cavaliers have a 4-5 and five built in there. So, you know, there's stuff. But... When you think about last week and how everything was built around trying to avoid the overload days, this week, you actually have pretty good options even late in the week. I point your attention once again to the New Orleans Pelicans and the Washington Wizards, who each have three games and four nights starting on Thursday. So, you could have made your move yesterday on Monday and turned a two-game week into a four-game week. Or you can make your move on Thursday and turn a one-game half-week into a three-game half-week. You still get two extra games out of that roster slot, but you now know what direction you need to go. I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I I think this this is a critical point. Adding two games 
is great. Adding the right two games is greater. And that's when you can do a little bit better on Thursday. Plus, the other simple fact is, if you have a king or a spur on your team right now, it's probably a player you kind of like. Devin Vassell is a great example of this. Harrison Barnes. Even Trey Lyles right now, with Demonis Sabonis out, they ruled him out through their five-game road trip. That takes you to the last game of next week before he'll get re-evaluated at all. So these are guys, Devin Vassell could very easily post a top 50 game on Wednesday. Trey Lyles could post a top 75 game on Wednesday. That's probably better than whatever guy you were thinking about picking up on the Bulls. That's who would have been at the beginning of the week. Or the Wizards. Those are your two choices yesterday. The Bulls flips because of the way their schedule goes. Who did you pick up on Chicago? Did you pick up Io DeSumo? He was fine. Not four games of that? Or do you want three games of a Wizard or a Pell plus the one game of the Spur or King that you like? I vote one game of the guy you got, three games of a guy you don't got, who's probably not as good, but with the knowledge that you'll go more often than not I mean, nothing's perfect. You're not going to know for sure what categories you need on Thursday. But whatever small percentage it is, Monday, you have, call it a perfect coin flip that you pick the right categories to attack. But maybe better than that. Like, maybe it's 70%. Maybe 70% of the time, you've pre-targeted the right categories for the week. But by Thursday, 85 90%, you have a better idea, a much better idea of which ones you're targeting. That can make the difference. What if one of them changed between that 70 and 90% confidence? What if you thought it was steals and it turns out to be rebounds? What if you picked up a guy yesterday that was a steals expert and you're just getting smoked in steals on Thursday? It was a waste. So, all of that to say, I don't think you really need to make a move today. But if you want to... The Warriors and the Knicks start a five-game in seven-day stretch. This really only works if Kevon Looney isn't rostered. This is a road trip, by the way, for the Warriors. And I'm, I would bet most of my existence that every Warrior, I don't know any of them play all five of these games, the five days and seven nights on the road. So it's with travel. You guys think anyone on that team plays all five of those games? Maybe Jordan Poole? Maybe Jonathan Kaminga? I don't think anybody else does. Looney's a possibility, I guess. So I don't think they're a good stream. Knicks will. Some guys on the Knicks will play all five because that's the, that's the Tom Thibodeau way. Run them out there, run them ragged. But most of those main guys are rostered already. The only ones I would think might not be, like maybe Emmanuel quickly isn't rostered. If he's available, jump on it because it's a great stream for him. And who are you dropping? Well, this is the kind of thing we talked about. Like, what if you have someone that plays tomorrow that isn't very good? You could turn a two-game week into a four-game week. You might not know what categories you're attacking, but someone like Quickly, to me, is good enough to make that switch. I think he's he matches probably the worst player on your team or maybe even exceeds them 
So I just kind of I just don't even really expect these guys to be on your wire. I don't think anybody on the Warriors worth streaming is on your wire. It's a good long stream if you're just kind of coasting and you're attacking all categories at once. But I really do believe that you'd be best served holding off until Thursday. I do. I do. Listen, don't listen, whatever. It's all a game anyway. Ha! Freak out, pull our hair out, the whole thing. And that's our show. We'll do it again tomorrow, everybody. Same kind of thing. Uh, We'll talk some Roto strategy on tomorrow's show because we'll just be recapping kind of a short Tuesday card, get into what you should be attacking here at the end of the, the season. Three weeks left on the Roto side. So we'll go through a little bit of Roto strategy. We'll talk streaming as well because we can start to touch on Thursday stuff on uh, on tomorrow's show so that should be a lot of fun please do continue to drop a five-star review on this podcast i've asked them so many times i know uh but it does mean the world to me i want to try to stockpile those bad boys before next season comes rolling around on itunes just select podcasts from the drop down it's over on the right side uh and then search for fantasy nba today click on the show it there's a rate and review button that's pretty easy to find if it's on your uh, mobile app it's a little bit harder to find open the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title, not an episode, and scroll all the way to the bottom. If you write something fun, you know, I'll blow you a kiss or whatever it needs to be. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pick up the pieces and roll from there. So thank you in advance. And if you've already done it, find someone you know that hasn't. We're all going to work together to keep growing this thing. I will try to keep the Iron Man streak alive as long as I can. Certainly keep it going tomorrow, won't we? He said while knocking on wood. I'm Dan Bespers for Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Ethos Fantasy BK, that's where they're at on Twitter. Enjoy your night. Talk to you tomorrow.